With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Coming to you from Michigan, USA. And listened to by people all over the planet. Get ready to be safe and sound with Sean Sparkman. Sparkman. Never take your eyes off your opponent, even when you bomb. Welcome to the Safe and Sound Podcast. My name is Sean Sparkman. I am really excited to be bringing you today the host of another podcast. His name is Aaron McHugh. Aaron, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, it's great. Um, I'll start with the who I am, and thanks for having me. Yeah, I am I'm an adventurer. Um, I've spent most of my life being super curious about what's around the next corner, and so that leads me into, I'm headed tomorrow, actually out to the desert in Utah for a few days to go explore some unseen places there. And that's led me a lot in my work I do in the world and life and career. So I started my career early 20s in an accidental sales career and was selling advertising actually in the beginning, like radio and TV ads. So I was selling air a lot of the time. And I found that like, the way to like unlock, I guess, value in the business world was like through ideas. So I just always followed what the next thing was in front of me and how that's led to today. I started an accidental podcast in 2011, tried to get a buddy of mine to do it with me and he wouldn't, not like in refusing, but more like, no, you should do that. I love your idea, but it's not for me. Then that's led me into a career in consulting and I spent a lot of time as an author as well. Yeah, really find that this work-life play, like trifecta, I call it, about moving beyond just work-life balance and actually looking at what does it look like to make a difference in the world, in the work that we do, the way that we live in, in terms of our lifestyle choices and daily rhythms, as well as the relationships that we hold and hopefully the, the difference that we make in the world as well. Yeah, I really like your logo that you have on your website because it's a, a triangle within a circle. Is it? Did you do that on purpose? Yeah, sure did. Yeah, and that's that trifecta, work-life play. And you'll notice there's no periods, there's no commas. Yeah, this trifecta of work-life play has kept me curious for many years. Is probably like you, I know many people that are, have been successful in their career, but it oftentimes can be at some sort of a trade-off with other areas of their life. And I found that those trade-offs to me, it was like, you know what the harder thing to do is, can you actually like be successful in all three? And oftentimes work-life balance goes straight to balance your family life and balance your work life. But what I find is that there's still kind of a loss of self in that story and that this play category or bucket or adventure, or whatever you want to call it, is beyond just pastimes and hobbies. It's more about like, what does it look like to actually restore yourself? And I've spent a lot of my life as an athlete and an endurance athlete. So this 
curiosity I've had is like, how do you go the distance? How do you keep going at a pace that's sustainable where you can finish and finish well? Uh, I'm a martial artist and I have been for well over a decade now. One of the first things that my teacher taught me was the difference between balance and harmony. And the way that he described it, it was like he said, it's like having uh, your your marriage on a stick and you're balancing a spinning plate on that stick with one hand. And then you got your job on the other hand, a spinning plate on a stick. And then you you got your play or adventures mm-hmm. on the foot. And, you know, eventually how many things can you load on there when you start having all the kids activities and the different things that happen throughout life before all those plates are going to come crashing down. Right. And he said that that's balance, whereas harmony is when everything works together and complements each other. Love it. All right. I'm going to use that. That's really that's brilliant, actually, from a martial artist. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And what you're on to is, I think, for so many of us, this culturally, this idea of balance that's been introduced into our culture and our nomenclature and especially in the business world, a lot of writing about that. And versus this, you know, sustainability, harmony, like that's a much more. And what I find is that with balance comes a lot of what feels like success and failure. It's these polar opposites. I either succeed at it or I'm terrible at it. And I find that this idea of balance is like you mentioned, like there's only so much you can hold in balance. And so until you drop something. And then the other thing is like this idea of how long does actually things stay in balance? So for me personally, in my work life, family life, financial life, physical health life, like these different assets that I attempt to manage in my life and and pay attention to, um, then what I found is that something was always out of balance. So I might intentionally choose to go big for a, a period of time and some work things that I take on. Well, that and that then the trade-off then that results in that is I might have to then adjust how I'm taking care of myself um, physically, and so. But what I found is that when I'm conscious of that and I'm making intentional choices, then I create a rhythm and that harmony that you're mentioning that is much more life-giving, and I feel uh, the victory of that versus the defeat. Look, here I am out of balance again. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, it's kind of like everything comes in seasons. You know, you have a season where you work super hard and then there's yep. there should be a season where you restore yourself and that you get that harmony where each season and each thing, you know, my marriage should complement and strengthen my ability to work and vice versa. So I, I really love that you kind of live your life that way and that your life led you to that because not a lot of people do that. Yeah, thanks. And it resulted from some backstory is, in 2015, I found myself in a burnout and was just the way I describe it is like on the sidelines of life. And I've spent most of my career in executive roles and software companies, technology companies and startups. And so I've always enjoyed and just loved work and found a lot of life in innovation and people and all that. But what was also happening is in my personal life, Professionally, things were going really well, but it was incredibly stressful, the amount of stress of responsibility I was holding and the amount of pressure. The company I was working with, I was um, in charge of about 60% of the software revenue for the Americas, and we had just gone public, and so we had investors and a lot of pressure around performance. And then at home, I had my oldest, my son, he was in a drug and alcohol treatment program. 
And then we also had one of our children pass away. And so we just had a lot going on in our personal life. So it was like I didn't have a place where I could find reprieve. It was just stressful everywhere I turned. And my old way of relating was kind of that endurance athlete mindset was I can suffer and I can take it. And as long as everybody else is okay, I'll just keep pushing. And I found myself with like a resting pulse of 92 beats per minute. And what normal for me is like 54, you know, 58. Right. And I'm on depression meds and sleep meds and anxiety meds. And I just really had like taken that old story as far as I could operating in the way I was. And it really just forced me, unfortunately, to just take an honest, hard look at I remember calling my CEO and saying, I've run out of pills. There's not another pill available. I just plain and simply have to take a pause. I'm going to need to take a look at me. And what I discovered is that you know, I'm the asset. And by managing and tending to and caring for the asset, all kinds of things become possible in my life. But at the time, I was a depleted asset and was really, you know, facing bankruptcy, <laughs> not financially, but at an energy level and, and even just optimism level. So it really caused me to really take a hard look at what am I doing? How am I doing it? What do I want to be doing with my life, my work? What's the impact I want to create? What am I here to do? And so like those really deep, I just call them like soulful questions, that hard place caused me to take a look at. And sometimes we have to go into those places to find it. <laughs> I know a lot of people that have had to do it. I've had to do it myself. And if you approach it the right way, you can come out of it stronger than you were before you went in. And that's, totally the, that's the beauty of life, right? So what did that look like for you when you did take that hard look at yourself? Yeah, Sean, do you know the hero's journey? Have you ever heard of that, Joseph Campbell's? I have, yeah. Yeah, great. So on the hero's journey, it's this idea of we can go from point A to point B. And I, I love one of the stories is about like uh, Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars movie. You know, he wanted to go um, conquer, destroy the Death Star and uh, fight Darth Vader. But he had to go on an inward journey first and to learn how to be a Jedi. And so as he went through this process of learning how to become a Jedi, well, then he could then go as he goes down to to deal with his own dragons and limiting beliefs and, and things that were in his way that were going to inhibit him, then he could re-engage and go, in his case, uh, destroy the Death Star. So what I love about that as a map, I really love this idea of, you know, what does it look like to take the hero's journey approach in our, in our life? So I just really let go. I was in such bad shape that I just spent a couple months just kind of licking my wounds, honestly, to just figure out, whoa, holy cow, look what we've been through here. And look at all these things I've been attempting to kind of hold together. And to your point on the idea of like rising from the ashes, Brene Brown has a book called Rising Strong. And it's this, the premise is that many people's best work comes after they find themselves wrestling with the dragons in those dark places. And what was really beautiful is I found a lot of liberation and a lot of freedom in places that I had formerly felt a lot of fear or concern or worry. And so a lot of that, what 
I felt unhinged by was um, an untethered was, you know, in our case, like if some of the hardest things you could imagine in life have already happened and we survived that, like, wow, well, <laughs> what's ahead running some experiments in life and we try some different things, I bet it could be, could probably go better than we think. And so I really started doing a lot of inner work about who I am as a person and some of the old stories that I had played on replay, kind of old cassettes that, you know, a lot of just uh, self-limiting beliefs as well as like honest, you know, residue from just pain and trauma that we'd experienced and really beginning to look into the future in a new way of like, well, what if we just try a couple things? Let's try. So I took a leave of absence from work took four months off and we tried and we went to a camp and I dug, uh, you know, dug up the sewer line for them and made beds and worked in the kitchen. And it was like a huge deviation from running uh, software revenue for publicly traded company. <laughs> yeah, know? I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So like that kind of stuff, we're like, well, what's the worst that could happen? Like I might actually like, we'll eat three meals together as a family every day. That's kind of cool. And we'll be in the mountains and that's kind of cool. And we'll, so it was just stuff like that. We just started playing with our life a little bit more and instead of managing it so much and it's really birthed, like it's had compounding value over that. And so the spirit in which we live today is much lighter, much more joy and much more freedom. And back to your point earlier, I've accomplished a lot in the last couple of years by living in just an entirely new way, like a new book I just released in January, a lot of it being about these kinds of pivots and about how do you move from fear to freedom and compartmentalize to wholehearted and uh, rule follower to heretic. And it's in the context of it's a book set in the setting of our career, but it's really about how to live more of a values based way of living. And I can only imagine that that time that you took actually brought your relationships with your wife and your children and you into a much stronger place, right? Yeah. Thanks for asking that, Sean. Yeah, definitely. My, like in full transparency, my wife and I were, we've been married almost going on 27 years now. And we, we were on some thin, thin, thin moments of our marriage where it was like, I don't know, can we, can we really keep doing this? And what we realized in our case was, you know what? No, it's time for our marriage to have a rebirth also. And let's reimagine and reinvent what could a marriage look like that we would be excited about living into. And I think that's so much of what we discovered is that you have to, I was really clear on the things that caused me pain and discomfort or things I didn't enjoy in work or in life or relationships but I wasn't really clear on where are the areas of my life that do bring me life. And relationally, you know, what are the, the habits, the practices, the rhythms that we can build into our marriage that are life-giving? And just heard from a friend, we were having a conversation about some research about healthy marriages, about 75 or 85% of their conversations are about positive life-giving things. And the remainder are about the hard things. And we kind of started looking at like, well, how much of our conversation is around difficulty, you know, or things that we don't like versus things we're looking forward to? So we started simple things like we do a check-in practice a couple days a week 
um, not super formal. It was early on, but it's asking questions of each other that are really simple and they're not problem solving, which is easy for us as a couple to get into in the past. It's more about what are you looking forward to this week? What do you have ahead of you that you're really excited about? And then what are some of the things that are, that are challenging to you right now? And what's been fun is to, in our relationship, and I, we do this with others as well, our kids um, and friends, is that not going to the problem solve. Oh, look, listen, that thing's giving you heartache. Well, let me jump in as your husband and try and help solve it. It's just to be a um, partner of like, oh, man, sorry to hear that's tough. And then later, we might come back to it later and say, hey, is that something that you want some help with or you want to chat about some more? No, just glad you just glad to be known by you. And you don't need to do anything about it. Oh, great. Okay, good. It's like reformatting the way we operate together. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I like that approach. And it's not always the easiest thing to do, but the easy things aren't usually the things that are worth it, in my experience. Agreed. Yeah. Right now, we have the coronavirus pandemic that's happening. It's yeah. all over the place and everybody's been affected by it across the world. And I know for a fact that there's certain people in my life that have been having a very tough time with it. And I know that it's a common thread where people are stuck inside, they're dealing with depression, they're dealing with the, you know, what do I do? I'm frustrated. They may not be working. They may be working. You know, there's all different situations, but what can people do to take a step back and use this time to better themselves, change their mindset, et cetera? Sean, what comes to mind at first is compassion, I guess, is, yeah, just compassion for the complexity of what you just mentioned, because people listening, it is going to be just a very, very wide swatch of, of difference. Not everybody's experience is the same. And especially for those people that are whether out of jobs or are feeling the hardship of it. We have friends and neighbors that are you know, restaurant business owners and gyms, you know, uh, curves, women's workout facilities. And just the reality is just really hard. I think from having many, many difficulties that both uh, before we were married uh, individually, my wife and I, as well as when we've come together and our shared life together, one of the things that we've learned is to be really clear about the things that are valuable and important to me. And what I mean by that is it's usually not my belongings and my possessions. It's usually not actually even the career that I have. It's like shrinking it down to like those like intrinsic values of like, okay, when I look around, is my family healthy mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually? And starting with just claiming the things that are going well, because I found that the what can be overwhelming is that the case file of all the things that are sideways and wrong in the world make it really difficult to find the silver linings. So I started putting, um, and I would recommend for people that are finding themselves wherever you are on the spectrum of grief and loss to joy and gratitude for the what you're finding yourself in right now, is just to get really clear on, well, what are the the one or two things that you can be grateful for and that what are the one or two things that are within your control. And I think what can be so frustrating and hard and feel futile is that when so much uncertainty is about us and around us 
And then in addition to feel like we're just losing choice, we're losing control of the things we can control, like going to work. I have a buddy of mine who spent 13 months in federal prison. And one of the things that he taught me was he said, I learned that I had to get really clear every single day on what are the things I can control and I can choose. And so he told me, he said he built a routine, even in prison, where every day he would go to the gym. Every day he would play checkers. Every day, in his case, he would read his Bible. Every day he would. And so he actually built out a schedule he could keep because it gave him some semblance of predictability and control that he could do something about it. For even myself, like in this pandemic, today was my 60th day in a, in a row to go for a run. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something I can control. And I'm going to run one mile per day every single day consecutively. And that'll give me some normalcy, some predictability. It'll fight against the feeling like it's Groundhog Day. And so other friends of ours have joined on board, both in the running discipline as well as just finding what are the micro little tiny things you can choose to do every day that would bring you life and make you feel like you're charging your tank versus it always being depleted. Thank you very much for that answer. Uh, I do have another question for you because you have made the transition from being in, like you were talking about earlier, a career to more of a synergistic life now with the way that you're doing things, right? Yeah, it has been. Yeah. Yeah. What specifically are you curious about? So what I'm curious about is for the people right now that aren't working or working part-time and maybe they liked their job before, maybe they didn't, who knows. But Mm -hmm. for those people, what does a transition from working in a career to, you know, kind of being the master of your own destiny (laughs) look like? And what are the things that they can do to make that happen? Well, I'm I'm laughing a little bit is uh, I would love to know what does it mean to to be the master of your own destiny too? Because I don't, I don't know. Right. So maybe if you if you know you can share with us. What I'm I aware wish, of. I, w- I wish I knew. <laughs> okay, good. So it makes two of us. What I do know is helpful. Is let me just take you back for a minute. So 15 years ago, I was working for a company that it was in an environment that was really challenging, and I was finding myself like having these visions of I really wanted to work for like a big corporation with a big huge like I don't know 50 story building and country club membership and a parking spot up front or whatever that whatever I had envisioned. I just wanted like some nice office digs. And I was showering at lunchtime in a mop closet that I found on campus. And what was really interesting was I had this picture from Outside Magazine about the benefits of lunchtime runs, what it does to your mindset and your energy level for the afternoon. And I was like, you know, I'm I'm going to deal with this gap between where I want to be and where I am and where I want to be, I've described and where I am, I've described. And this is a massive gap. I see no way of other than just being frustrated of like, why am I not experiencing what I want my work experience to be like? And I tell you that story as a micro example of about how I approach many things. It was X marks the spot of where I am today. And then way over off to the left side or the right, some faraway distant places where I want to be, what I, excuse me, what I want my work to look like or what I want to um, 
you know, my income look like or whatever it was. And what I found was the only way to move forward is to choose one step and begin making a step towards the direction of the thing that you look you want and best you understand today. And so for me, in that case, it was like, I'm going to go ahead and run. I'm going to go ahead and shower, not in the nice shower that I wish I worked at, but the, the mop closet bucket shower, because at least I'm getting in a lunchtime run. And then what I found was like, there's this like unlock every few weeks or months. I would try something new like that. Like, like if I start with the life I have right now and I start taking one small step forward with a degree of agency and with the spirit of a couple things is really beginning to look at my life is what if I was the architect of the life and the work, the play, the relationships, if I architected it, how would I create it? What would I make? And then if I'm a student about my life, like what would it mean? I'd have to be constantly in a learning mode. So how can I continue to become more of the person who's ready and able to live into this life that I envision for myself? And then, you know, how can I actually become like um, the kind of person who would be equipped and ready to, you know, be a, uh, you know, today I'm an executive coach. So I told a friend years ago, I want to be an author and executive coach. It was like laughable, equally laughable that I was going to work in a nice office place. <laughs> so I think what I've learned is now fast forward over 10 or 15 years, I learned to steward the hope that was in me and not talk myself out of it, even though there were many, many hard days where there was no movement and there was no proof or evidence that I was making any progress. But I just kept going back to learning how to steward the hope and keep reminding myself that the hope that's in me is worth stewarding and worth carrying forward. And then one little tiny micro practice unlock at a time um, enabled me to make some forward progress where today I'm in a much different place, but I didn't get transported from one place to the other. There was no portal in the wall that opened up and I walked through it. And then all of a sudden, like a Star Trek movie, I'm like in another place. This is like <laughs> painstakingly gradual. But what's been so cool is I closed the gap. There was a massive gap from where I was to where I am. And then now I can see it was a series of small steps with courage, hope, continually, curiosity, running experiments. They, didn't, they don't all work, lots of setbacks, but over time it built a, a path to be in a totally different life, relationally, you know, financially, work, et cetera. So you're saying that there isn't a beam me up Scotty to close the gap? It's not a magic button. <laughs> I love it because, you know, we mentioned earlier at the start of the show, you and I had kind of talked about how nothing worth it in life is actually easy. Exactly right. You know, not to be too cliche, but the journey of a thousand step or the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step, right? Exactly right. And, it, yeah. you know, that stuff can sound like you said, so cliche or so overheard. And I think at the heart of hearts, I didn't want to believe it applied to me. I was really frustrated that there wasn't a magic button. And until I got real with myself about that, about what in me that is so angry or insistent or frustrated or feel like 
I got a raw deal and somebody got a better one or whatever. I had to just do a lot of um, inner work on that to realize it's like, you know what? The challenge is I cannot actually trade lives with anyone or even circumstances with anyone. The only way forward is to own this is where I am today. And I suspect for most, it's actually your current reality is both challenging as well as better than you may have appreciated. And I found that by beginning to just begin to own is what is actually already right and well about me, about my circumstances today, as they are today, not where I want to go, not all the bad stuff that's happened or the unfortunate setbacks, but just the, what, what's the right stuff? What's the good stuff that's already well? Well, that's easier to build upon than it is just a toxic ball of worry and anxiety, which I have found myself in as well. But it's a lot more liberating to live forward when we can start, even if there's some just breadcrumbs we can assemble to about what are the things that are already already for us and how could we build upon it from there. I listen to a lot of Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, all, oh, all, all those types of guys. Yeah. And, oh. you know, they, they say the same thing. It's what can you be grateful for? Just pick so, one thing. Start your day with gratitude. What can mm-hmm. I be grateful for? You know, I woke up and I'm healthy. I woke up and my my wife is healthy, my child's healthy, or whatever it may be for you. Everyone's different. But the one thing I think that is true is what you were saying about the frustration and the anger and people want to be somewhere. They want the magic button. It's not just you. It's it's everybody. And I think that's the same with the people that are already successful. That's why you see people like Robin Williams, for example. You know, everybody loved Robin Williams. I still yeah. do. I mean, we were, my wife and I were just watching Mrs. Doubtfire the other day because it's oh, an amazing, yeah, right. amazing movie and what an amazing person. But he was miserable on the inside, even oh, though right. by all you know rights, he had reached the upper echelons of life oh, for what most people think, you know, totally. financially, et cetera. So you're right. It's about taking that inventory. Yeah. Yeah. And in that, in close, is I learned the hard way that happiness is an inside job. And joy is a byproduct of wholeness. So it's much easier to find experiences of happiness when it's rooted in joy that is not dependent on circumstances. Not dependent on an expectation. I like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Well, before we close for you know the show today, I, I, I am curious, what does an adventure look like for you? Because it's different for everyone. Yeah, an adventure of any kind? Sure. What you, what, what's your adventure? Yeah, my adventure is so this tomorrow I'll head to the desert in Utah with a couple buddies and we'll go to a, a kind of ancient canyon, big red rocks and arches. And for four days, we'll go map and compass and just follow our nose and see what we find. And we'll, it's all tent, you know, tents and backpacks. And it's uh, this combination of going far distances like ultra distances, but doing it with like ultra light gear and equipment and literally like going off the map. It's super rad. I find it really cool because it's like the terrain we're in matches some of the terrain of my own life at times. So there's a really cool parallel. It's like things I learn out there, I get to bring back with me 
into my daily life and apply those like those, you know, the harsh moments and difficulties and frustrations and even like group dynamics when we sometimes might argue over which way we should go and but we're really close friends. And so I find it's like a journey of the heart as well as like a journey and adventure of the actual landscape itself. Thank you for sharing that. And I was curious, what are you curious about going forward in the future? Yeah, I am really curious about whether the world, how much of the world will return to its hurried, insatiable quest for more versus how much of the world will find a new way of living in this um, as our pandemic life has slowed everything down. I'm hopeful that more of us will find ways that we can live a more values-based way of living than just the culture-driven way of living. You know, and I'm optimistic that that's going to happen. I think there's so many people that have realized that life is not what they thought it was and that it's something different and that now is the opportunity to be able to make the changes that before, because of that busy, more, more, more lifestyle, we just, you know, nobody had the time to make those changes. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's great. Well, Sean, thanks for having me on. It's been a real joy. Yeah, it's been great. Is there any questions that I should have asked you that I didn't? No, you can find all things Aaron McHugh at AaronMcHugh.com and my new book, Fire Your Boss, Discovering Work You Love Without Quitting Your Job, Amazon, um, wherever you find books in the world. Yeah, and we'll include links to the show notes as always for people that want to learn more about Aaron. So go ahead and look there. Aaron, once again, it was really great. I loved this conversation. Thank you very much for being on the show today. Yeah, my deep pleasure. All right. Thanks, Sean. Keep going. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Safe and Sound podcast. My name is Sean Sparkman, your host, and we are always going to be bringing you more things and more people every single week to try and get you that safe and sound lifestyle so that you can live your very best life. Thanks for listening to Safe and Sound Radio with Sean Sparkman. Sean Sparkman. If you have questions or would like to suggest a topic for future shows, contact Sean at 313-246-9278 or visit the website at www.safeandsoundretirement.net. That's www.safeandsoundretirement.net. I must leave. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.